Buckle up everyone and welcome to Carpool Rugby League, a show where three rugby league tragics talk everything rugby league on your way to or from work. I'm Graham. And I'm the chameleon. Welcome aboard and on with the show. Yes, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. We've got another episode of Carpool Rugby League. And gee, do we have a fair bit of rugby league going on. I'll tell you what, there's there's more rugby league than you can sink your teeth into this week, Griffo. Uh, <laughs> we got the finals happening. Uh, four games last week. We'll obviously talk about all the news coming out of the four games. We've got uh, two teams who uh, will no longer be with us. So down to six. Uh, and we'll also have a big in-depth discussion about... Uh, this week's game's coming up. Also throughout the show, we're going to be talking uh, judiciary news. As we are recording this, um, we're about quarter to eight on uh, Tuesday evening. So we haven't yet received the um, the verdict for the Jack Whiten um, judiciary hearing. But I'm sure that by the time uh, we finish, we will have an indication as to how many weeks uh, he'll be looking. For, uh, he'll be looking out on the sideline because I'd imagine um, we're all in agreement here that he will be suspended. But you know that aside for now, we just had to get that out of the way so that people understand the context. If you're listening to this later on in the week, but just just first of all, I mean finals week one. It it, it was a great weekend of footy, um, and I, I think um, it, it's it's worth mentioning. The two teams that were out at the top of the table, Griffo, they were really impressive and, um, you know, well-deserved week off for both of those. But just overall, before we get in-depth in the games, what were your overall thoughts of the weekend of footy? Yeah, well, the first two games were uh, emphatic victories to the two top teams um, who underline their credentials as being one of the best two teams. Um, both recorded 26-point victories over their opponents. Um, one of them was, a, I guess, a surprise, not in the fact that the Broncos won, but in, in the way that it, it panned out. Um, I don't think too many were surprised by Penrith uh, mm-hmm. beating a team um, that was without their best player in Sean Johnson. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know that too many people were tipping the Warriors even when Sean Johnson was there. But take out your best player, and um, I don't think uh, too many were expecting the Warriors to win. But yeah, Bug Penrith were very good. Um, and then we saw two uh, two games that went right down to the wire. Um, so uh, yeah, while the first two were, were sort of you know, pretty emphatic landslide victories. Uh, it was good to see two tight games. Um, and I, I thought, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought, uh, well, you know, one of the games went uh, into extra time, uh, two-point victory there to Newcastle, and the other game was won in regulation time by, by a field goal to the Roosters. So, mm. well done, uh, those two teams on progressing, and then uh, it's bye-bye to... Uh, to the Sharks and, and the Raiders, you know, both of whom can say they made the eight this year. 
Um, according to Ricky, of course, uh, his team deserved to be in the top four. Uh, I honestly don't know what planet that man comes from, but uh, yeah. we talked about say, him the last week. He advocates for his players. That's all I can say. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'll give him that. I think there's a credibility issue there. Yeah. You say they deserve to make the top four. They had minus 100 and something differential, and they played yeah, twice against crap teams and once against good. Uh, I just. I, I think they did well to, to push Newcastle to the point they did. Um, I'll be honest with you, I actually thought Newcastle would win quite convincingly. And I actually thought that based on the Raiders' performances throughout the year, it was probably one of their better ones on the weekend. And I think that just shows you know, that they have been a, a, a bit off. And you know, when it comes to, to playing a team in form, uh, you can see the struggle there. So... You mentioned there the Raiders are out. The other team that's out are the Sharks. I just want to get a bit of a comment from you on the Sharks before we talk a bit more about the teams that are progressing. Um, it was an elimination final, so they're out first week. Last year, from memory, they went out in straight sets. Is that right? They lost they did, both yeah. of their games in the finals. So um, yeah, they'll be disappointed as an organisation that whilst they've been... I think last year they would have been in the four... This yep. year, finishing just outside the four, I think they were they were sixth. Um, you know, yep. one point. Yeah, they, 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 they were they were they were they were there or thereabouts. Oh, to they deserve this point. Um, they we never felt as though they were going to be a real no. real threat though. Um, yeah, there's there's just something there, I suppose, when it comes to big games or putting um, a string of wins together that the Sharks have struggled for now for a couple of years. I heard that they've lost their last six games in finals football. Wow. It's not a good record, really. Um, not at all. Uh, yeah, you've got to make the finals to lose the finals. But, True. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <They've>, yeah. there's, there's <laughs> the Tigers would have loved that yeah, record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, the fact is they're just not good enough to beat the good sides at this point in time. Um, you can't sugarcoat it. They don't have a record of. I'm talking in in you know very recent years. We know they won a comp not all that long ago, but this side, uh, I don't think contains any of the guys that were part of that seventeen. If if it's got any, it'd be only be one. Um, but I don't think it does have any. So it's a completely different side to when they were under Shane Flanagan and won their first comp back in. I don't know, 2015 or 16, something like that. Not all that, you know, within the last decade, it's a completely different team. That team was all grit. They had a bit of skill. Mm. Um, you know, they had guys like Valentine Holmes. Um, yeah, Maloney was there. Uh, but then they had guys, hard nuts like Gallon, Luke Lewis, um, these sorts of guys. I think Chris Harrington was there. Yeah, he was. Uh, so it was it was a different team. Um, they were noted as you know as a, a very difficult team to beat. Um, maybe not the most uh, exciting attacking side, but they got job done. Hmm. This team much more easy to watch uh, in terms of you know they can play some really good football, but they don't have the uh, they don't have the ability to. 
to get it into the grind and, and get over the top of the good sides. Um, the defence is not as good as, as that Sharks team, obviously, that won the grand final. Um, but they are they are a good side, and that's as much as you can say. Yeah. And we've talked at length over the last few years about how they've had a charmed life in relation to getting easy draws. Um, and it, you, you can't you can't deny that. They can't deny it. If you look at the facts, um, they beat the poor sides. It's very rare that they go down to the poor sides, but it's very almost equally as rare that they actually beat any team that is a premiership contender. Um, and that's where they're at. Yeah. Now, because of the draw that they get, because they uh, Channel 9 don't like them or whatever the case is, they come up and they win a lot of games, enough to make the eight, and then when they come up against decent sides, they get beat and they're straight out. Um, the NRL has to look at this, this draw issue and devise a, a system that is more equitable and we talked, you know, at length last week about teams like the Eels, the Rabbitohs, the Cowboys, to a lesser extent, who missed out on the eight. But realistically, I think all of those three teams are better than the Sharks and better than the Raiders. Uh, but they had tougher draws. Maybe not so much the Cowboys, but certainly the Eels and the Rabbitohs missed out on the eight. And, and I do believe if they had made the eight and come up against either the Sharks or the Raiders, both both those teams would have won, Para and South. Um, that's just you know that's just me expressing an opinion, mm. but I think it's an embarrassment that, that these. Well, I can't, that's harsh, I guess. It's an embarrassment that we play a semi-final at, at what is. The, a ground under construction that is embarrassing when you go like 11,000 people there at a finals game um, and and all these guys turn up and, and see their team lose in a finals game that's that's just we're seeing that year in year out Canberra I don't think they're one of the best four teams in the comp like Ricky does uh, mm. um I don't think they're one of the best eight teams in the comp. Again, a charm draw. They had a dreadful differential. and, and uh, But I will credit them and say they did actually put up a good fight against the Knights, and they had every chance of winning that game. Um, so I've got to pay credit where it's due, but they're not one of the best eight teams in this competition, Graham. I don't know what you think. No, definitely. I, I think they're one of those teams. They're very inconsistent. Um you know, there are weeks in the comp where they, they might be playing a team and they have a good outing, they're at home, and you think, oh, geez, they're, they're not too bad. And then they'll have weeks where they get done by 40. Uh, the top teams, that doesn't happen. That does not happen. Um, and, I th yeah, I, I, we, we know that with Ricky Stewart, you're always going to get something at the press conference. He's always going to defend his team, but... You, you, it, it borders on delusional sometimes, doesn't it, when you hear the way he... He, uh, he talks about the quality in his team. Um, and I worry about them because I think they're, they're going to go backwards next year. Um, I think what was really evident on the weekend when they needed a big play and a half to, 
you know, field goal, whatever, someone to, yep. to pull out a big play. Uh, Canberra didn't really have anyone like that. I think their strengths might be more so, you know, in their forward pack, they go forward and they, they play a bit of that power game. But um, I think especially next year, they're losing another another quality player and one of their strike we- weapons in Jack Whiten. Um, it's only going to to send them backwards, I feel. I, I, I've, at this stage, even, even you know, a couple of days removed from them being in the top eight and playing finals, um, I, I wouldn't have them anywhere near my top eight for next year. Um, and I think yeah. there's a lot of work to be done there in, in Canberra. Um, I so, didn't have them well, in my top eight this year, Graham. No, they they right. made it. Yeah, like, so credit to them. Yeah, the yeah. teams there that, that didn't, and they, they did. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like they're also one of those teams, too, where, you know, not that, not that this is an indicator of a good team, but I don't look at their squad and go, oh, this is their obvious top 17 or whatever. And yeah. I feel like sometimes they're doing a bit of hokey-pokey. Someone's in, someone's out. They're doing a bit of a shuffle. You're playing there this week. You're playing here this week. And... I know they could argue from another point of view and say, oh, well, we're just slotting in players where it's best suited and we're, you know, playing to the opposition and so on and so forth. But I, th- I think they just really need to to work out who their key players are, build a team around that, and that's their squad and go forward. So, I mean, good on them for making the eight. Um, but I've, uh, we had a feeling when we were talking about this last week that, um, you know, they were... They, they, they were lucky to be playing finals football and it could very well, very easily have been them that missed out. Um, you know, all you needed was one other game throughout the season somewhere to go another way for either the Raiders or the Rabbitohs or, you know, Cowboys and uh, and they miss out. So, you know, they made it, which is more than a lot of um, uh, teams, but uh, yeah. Um, we'll also talk, stick with us guys, because we'll talk as soon as we have the, um, the information available, we'll talk about the suspension for Jack Whiten. Um, at this stage, we know he's been found guilty, uh, but, um, we'll be talking later on in the show once we are aware of... Oh, he's uh, guilty, is he? He's been found guilty. Um, we're unaware of what the suspension is, um, not to talk too much about it. When the official suspension comes through, we'll talk about it, but just based on the... So it is uh, okay to call him Jack Byton? Jack Byton, yeah. Jack Byton. And, um, yeah, so... And this is one of those things too. We'll we'll talk about it in a moment, but just what we know at this stage, um, he's been found guilty. The NRL Council has suggested a four-game suspension... Um, Jack Whiten's lawyer is saying, well, it's at the lower end. Maybe it should be more of a two-game suspension. The lower end of a bite. Um, so, you know, that's obviously <laughs> a to say that. Um, so it'll be interesting, but the, the panel is uh, just about to go and deliberate as we are seeing this. So all we know at this stage is that Jack Whiten's guilty. Stick with us um, because obviously before we finish the podcast tonight, we will have an indication of how many weeks he's got, and then we'll have a discussion as to what we think about that um, that punishment. Before we actually... I actually want to go a bit more in-depth into the games from the weekend and talk about uh, 
you know, more in depth the teams are still in the comp, Griffo, but I think a good way to start off our review of last week would be to, to get an indication of what caught your eye last week and uh, see what you got this week for us for Griffo's Grab. Griffo's Grab! What caught your eye this week? Finals edition. Yeah. Well, there was a number of players, actually. Um, most of them were either uh, wearing uh, maroon and yellow mm. or uh, predominantly black outfit. Um, but I, I, I got to go with Nathan Cleary. I thought um, there was one piece of play that, that caught my eye sitting in the stand I was um, a bit of an upgrade from normally where I sit was up in the grandstand um, and I just saw this magical pass to, to Liam Martin to set up a try um, but what preceded that was he was on the ground from the previous play had lost a shoe oh that's what yeah and uh, just I think it was the last and, and he just jumped straight to his feet got the ball from the dummy half, throws a, a perfect pass to Liam Martin, who goes over and scores. That that really um, took, took, you know, grabbed my eye, at, at being live at the game. Um, he did a whole range of other things as well. Uh, brilliant solo try. Um, but overall, he, I thought he was the best uh, his performance was the best individual, but I'll I tell you what, there were some that were very close. Adam Reynolds was brilliant for the Broncos. We saw the magic of Reese Walsh. We saw the mm, magic of Kalen Ponga. Yeah. Um, Dom Young going down that right-hand touch line a number of times with, you know, nearly 30,000 blue and uh, red supporters up uh, out of their seats. Um, there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, the Roosters, uh, you know, they they got well. We'll talk about the game later, but you know, individually, Nathan Cleary, but uh, most uh, creditable also, uh, and just behind him, Kalen Ponga, Adam Reynolds, and Reese Walsh. Um, those guys were brilliant for their respective teams. Hmm. And hopefully this week we can talk about adding Sean Johnston to that um, with, with the Warriors. There's still so many superstars in this competition and plan to keep an eye on. Just before, just while we're on it, um, I was going to leave it for the Penrith game, but it's it's a really good opportunity now to talk about it now. Um, we've got to remember Jerome Lewis missing from this team. Many, and even I'll, I'll, I'll argue the point now too, many would say that... Um, the absence of Luai has actually forced Cleary, in a sense, to adapt his game. What I'm seeing a bit more in the last couple of weeks is more running from Cleary. There's and no I doubt, think that has been um, a major strength. And as a defence, you know, someone the quality of Nathan Cleary to to then put that next down. You know, it, it used to be okay. You know, is he going left? Is he going right? Is he kicking? What's he doing? To add you know, that running game to it and the success of that running game in probably the, you know, in the last two weeks, it's, um, it's, it's been phenomenal. So it, it really, you know, whilst having Luai out has had an impact on the Panthers, 
it's it's really brought out that running game in Nathan Cleary. I, I'm sure you've seen that too. Oh yeah, he, he ran for 188 meters. Yeah, like as a, as a halfback. Yeah. Um. And yeah, <clears throat> it, it wasn't. It wasn't just. I mean, obviously, it was. You know, most notable on uh, last uh, Saturday, but in the previous game against the Cowboys, he ran a lot as well. Not as effectively as what he did in the semi-final, but um, ever since the guy's been out, he's he's just adapted his game as he does. Um, he's got a, an excellent running game. We don't see too much of it, um, but when he needs to, he can run the ball. And uh, throughout his career, he scored a number of uh, solo tries, uh, like he did the other night. Um, it's not the best known part of his game, uh, and we don't see it every week. But uh, without Jerome Luai, as you said, um, he's adapted his game, and uh, I don't think it's going to be a surprise to to the, the you know future opponents that you know he's going to run the ball more so than uh, than what he has been doing. Um, so they're going to be, uh, I guess. Uh, expecting to see that more and, and we'll will adapt their games as well in defense but yeah he's uh, it's it's his time of year really September mm. um and uh and obviously and he was only just a whisker in front of, of Adam Reynolds who who was absolutely brilliant for the Broncos yeah. um and uh, as a South supporter don't how do you it. feel watching oh. that it's you know, you know what it's like. You're watching. We sit on here every week, and I don't want to make this about South this time of year because they're not playing football. But I'll just say this: you know, we've been talking a lot about what's missing from South and what they've needed, and everything that South have mi- have missed in the last um, two years, and everything they've needed was evident for Brisbane on the weekend. That's how it feels. And um, yeah, he's doing a great job. He's he's a phenomenal footballer. Uh, he is doing wonderful things at Brisbane, and it's 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 probably a good segue for us to talk about this game because um, Brisbane was so dominant the other night on the back of as you said Adam Reynolds. I mean, uh, the the twenty six to nil scoreline was a massive surprise to me. I, I I was confident in tipping the Broncos. I, I thought they might win by a try. And, you know, I was going into the game, people tipping the storm and talking to him, I said, yeah, you know what, this could go either way. Look, it wasn't one of those games that had walkover written on it. But there are just so many aspects where, as a half, Adam Reynolds just takes the pressure off his team. You know, there was um, there was that one particular kick. I can, I can remember him... Um, I think it was... was the dropout? The dropout that went out. Yeah, yeah. dropout. It's just things like that where you think, you know, even if that doesn't come off, and the opposition is working it out from what would be the corner of the sideline and the 50-meter line, and you might make a tackle on the 40. It's not putting any pressure on the side, you know what I mean? But just yeah. little plays like that, it just lifts the team, it builds that confidence, whereas you've got other halves in the competition that when the pressure starts to build, they make mistakes and build, and, and more pressure gets lumped on. And you know, I think you can read between the lines and talk about which pair of halves I'm talking about in the competition, given where our conversation just came from. But he just knows how to relieve that pressure. He's got such a good connection with his 
with his forwards and the platform they play and how he can link that momentum through his play to the outside backs to create scoring opportunities for the likes of Katoni Staggs and the link with Reese Walsh. The Broncos are building. I'm, I'm not going to... Look, I'm not going to say that they're the team to beat because Penrith are, but I have a feeling that we're... Um, we're looking at a Brisbane Panthers grand final and we're looking at it being a cracker. I know a lot of water's got to flow under the bridge before then, but there were a lot of signs in that dominant performance the other night, Griff. I think you would see that would suggest, as a team, uh, that, that Brisbane are ticking all the boxes at the moment, especially coming into you know, what will be their next game, grand final qualifier. They're not far off. No, they've been outstanding. And um, you look at their team and and they've got advantage over Penrith in quite a number of areas. Uh, Speed for one, uh, ability in the air for another. Um, They can pretty much match Penrith for the hard work of their forwards. Uh, They're a bigger side than Penrith. So they've got a lot of, uh, they tick a lot of boxes in terms of, you know, where we're almost talking as if it's going to be a Broncos (laughs) final. And it may not be, but something would have to go wrong with, with one of those sides for them not to be there. Um, it's, it's a clash that most rugby league followers, other than those who are fans of any team that's still left, uh, most rugby league fans want to see. Um, Penrith, where they have an advantage over the Broncos, I see as being uh, experience in finals football and more to the point in, in grand finals. So the Broncos have got a couple of players that have won competitions. I think it's only two. Uh, Adam Reynolds, who won with the Rabbitohs, and, and Kurt Capewell with the Panthers. I don't think any of their others have won an NRL premiership. No. But that could change. They could have 17 guys who uh, in, a, in a month or so can say that they've won a grand final in the NRL. Um, they are a very good side, and it's the side I certainly, for some time, uh, have feared the most in terms of standing in Penrith's way. There were other teams at various stages of the year that I thought uh, were going to really build a, a big challenge to the Panthers. But it, the Broncos have consistently, from the very first game that I watched in the rain, I was saturated, uh, the Broncos beat Penrith at Penrith. Yes, yep. Without <clears throat> Reese Walsh in that game. Now, I know Penrith were missing a few players, but um, this was a Broncos side who, who dominated that game. They only won by a field goal, but um, they've, they've shown themselves to be a high-quality team. And the only guy they've really brought into the side this year is, is Reese Walsh. Yeah. yeah what a really, difference. Yeah. And, and it is a massive difference. And I, I think they got one of the... 
the better balanced sides. I, I, I think going back, it would have been it's still the first half of the year. I think I said on the podcast, I was talking about Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas. And I was, I think the the terminology I used was something like, you know, the best go forward combo, like the best, they're the best combination early in a set in the league. Like if you need meters, Haas, Carrigan, another forward, and then, and then you work off the back of that. The amount of meters these two humans can consume in a football game is phenomenal. Even last week, so Carrigan, I think he ended up with 193, um, 180 for Payne Haas. But not only are they making meters, Patrick Carrigan, he will he ran the ball 21 times. So he, he actually <coughs> took more runs than anyone else. Payne Haas was second behind him at 17. He... These guys are really hard workers. And you know what? Tom Flegler's not far behind them. Yeah. No, he's a They're great player, Flegler. Just got players in these key areas that have this job to do, and they get that job done. Um, I think they're a great combination. Whilst we're talking about combinations, I, I don't hear it talked about a lot, and I know I keep banging on about it, but when I look at the centres, the pairing of Stags and Farmworth, I'm not going to argue that either of them are the best centre in the world, but as a pair in a team, I think they are up there. If, if we look at any centre pairing left in the competition, I, I, I think they're the best. I think they're the best centre pairing of, of, of what's in the competition now that are playing week in, week out. Obviously, Penrith have a few injuries there, of course. Yeah. But yeah. Farnworth and Staggs... And we know that Katoni Staggs is one player who's been um, talked about as being a little bit inconsistent here and there. But when he's on, he's on. And I think Herbie Farmworth has had a phenomenal year. I, I think he is an absolute talent. And when you when you combine that strike on either side of the field with Reese Walsh popping up here and there, it's just so hard to contain. He is, he is dynamite. He is electric. There's just so much energy about this team, which really is Griffo. It's, it's a fairly young team. I know we've got sprinklings. Oh, it's a very of, young team, Graham. You know, people talk about very Adam Reynolds team. and obviously being... They've, they've got this really young, talented team with enough experience sprinkled here and there to to, to really contain and, and keep a level head on this. I, I just think that they're this is one of the best chances that they've got or will have. Um, because, yeah, you know, I don't know how many more years Reynolds will be playing and you know, so on and so forth. I think this year, next year is yeah. going to be big years. No, no, the they're uh, they're ripe at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a great way to put it. Like they they are going to lose Flegger and Farnworth to the, the Dolphins. Um, yeah, that's right yeah. too. I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. So um, those two guys, they're going to really want to go out um, because realistically. For those two guys, their best chance of possibly in their career of winning the comp is right now. Yep. Um, the, the Dolphins, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a good side next year, but I don't think they're threatening um, to win the comp, even with those guys coming in. But to the Broncos, I don't really see a weakness there. Um, I think Kevin Walters made the right call in, in going with Jesse Arthurs on the wing over Colts. Um, 
Arthur's, I thought he was just a bit part player, you know, been a bit of a journeyman. Uh, I, I think he's still reasonably young, but he's, he's been around for a few years, played at a variety of different clubs. Um, <coughs> I, I didn't think he was quite as good as what he's shown this year for the Broncos, but he deserves his spot in the 17. Um, and then the other guys we've talked about, they're all weapons. I don't think there's another club in the league who, who can boast as many weapons as, as what Brisbane do. Um, so for Penrith, as I said, I think the one advantage Penrith have got is experience in semifinals and grand final football. And um, I draw maybe a few parallels. Not They're not completely similar, but the Penrith team that, that went down to Melbourne a few years ago when they made the grand final, um, they had a, a huge record winning run of, uh, of games, like 17 or something. They broke, equaled or broke the, the club record. Um, they were on fire. They made the grand final. And then they uh, they came out and they were well below their best. Um, they were being smashed in the first half, and then the uh, Ryan Pappenhausen scored a try just after half time. And Melbourne were up like I don't know twenty six nil or something. And Penrith got back. I think they only lost by four in the end, but the damage was done. Um, yeah, it was a, a much younger Penrith team than the Storm team. Um, and they still had Cameron Smith back then. Um, so I see maybe some parallels. Mm. I'll be happy if it pans out that way. And uh, we know that they can get a, a victory over the younger, uh, faster Broncos. Um, but, yeah, we, wait, we may well be jumping the gun. Um, yeah, yeah uh, there's a lot of footy to be yeah, played. There are four other teams who uh, are still there. Um, the uh, Warriors, the Knights, the Roosters, and also the Melbourne Storm, and and almost everyone, and obviously ourselves included, have, have discounted really the chances of any of those teams. Yeah, um, and it, it, I think you know, obviously the Storm were the opposition the other night. They were beaten in, in convincing fashion. Um, be a good start. I'd have to have a look. I don't know if anyone's got it there. Um, actually, no, I think I do know the answer to this. I'm feeling as though the last time the Storm were kept to nil in a finals game was the uh, grand final against Manly, which was uh, Steve Menzies' uh, last yeah. game. Uh, so, yeah. I was, <laughs> so it's been a long time not only keeping the Storm to zero, but in a finals game. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Storm. If you're listening to us, listening to this, obviously, stick with us. Um, after... The, um, we talk about the storm. I'm going to ask uh, Griffo his thoughts on um, the Jack White and suspension because we've received through the, the verdict. But we'll quickly talk about the storm, first of all, uh, because we are going to preview them in detail. Just quickly off the back of this game, just want a quick comment here on their performance the other night and how, how they're going to regroup here because th- this is a team who we are traditionally looking at um you know being there or thereabouts they're always a contender they've got a bit of adversity to overcome um 
this week, not only having that nil score line, but um, you know, as a club, uh, unfortunately, they've got to deal with another long-term Ryan Pappenhausen injury. Um, he's he's just about one of the unluckiest blokes on the planet, isn't it? Two two or three games back, and um, and another really severe injury this time, breaking his leg. Yeah. Um, well. I think Cam Munster summarised his team's performance. He said it was dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't put it any more, you know, clearly than than the the self assessment of uh, one of their chief playmakers or well, their chief playmaker. Indeed, that's how they were. Mm. Um, Craig Bellamy said, you know, he can't recall them being so awful in def- in attack, sorry. Um, they did get over the line once, but uh, couldn't score. Um, I think it was Xavier Coates might have lost the ball. But they didn't threaten, really, the Broncos because they kept dropping <clears throat> the ball. Uh, they, they had yeah. a, a very poor... Uh, a very poor completion rate, 67%, which is yeah. unstorm-like. Um, the Broncos weren't all that much better with the completions, but, um, but they yeah, they were more ball and they used it. Yeah, yeah, monster summed it up. Yeah. Dog shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and and look, we'll we'll talk about the storm in depth. Stay with us to because we are going to talk about the storm uh, in a lot of depth when we talk about the previews for this week. They will come up against the Roosters. They'll be looking to bounce back at home. Um, it's almost like Shane that the universe can hear hear us, you know, going to the next segment, and they go, "We've got to get you in here." We've got Shane off the interchange bench. Uh, Shane, we are. I'm just about to to announce that we have got word through that Jack White has received a three game suspension. Um, Soft. just in yeah, just in we we were just we were talking about it at the start of the show, just um. You know, very briefly, we haven't really talked about it much because we knew that most listeners are going to be listening to this with the knowledge that the three-game suspension had been handed down. So we've sort of waited off a little bit and we've been talking about some of the great things happening on the field last week. Um, I might as well go to you first. Uh, you know, hello, welcome. Good to have you on board. Hey, uh, just just an initial Shout thought out. there because uh, <laughs> who'd have thought we could have a rant about something affecting South Sydney coming out of a finals oh, game this year. Jack, buy a lottery ticket, son. Buy a lottery ticket, son. One of the things I did get frustrated with, and I, I, I think he's a lucky young man. I think he should have got. I, I, I thought when the, when I saw the the, the marks and I saw everything, I thought this guy was going to get rubbed out for ten weeks. Um, it's a pretty awful, <clears throat> yeah, pretty awful thing. I don't think it's great at all. Uh, interestingly today, and this happens quite a bit, I get frustrated with, you know, when the player who's who who's the victim sort of comes out and goes, oh, well, I don't want to go any further. And it's like, well, mate, you don't have the jurisdiction to even choose whether that's the case or not. Um, so just concentrate on your next game. Well, no, it's because um, he was asked, Shane. Like, yeah. the NRL asked him, you know, to just... Yeah, mate, it's in the hands of the yeah. history. What can I do now? Yeah. Like, it- you know, I went to the ref. I went to the yeah. ref and made a complaint. He's done everything he had to do. Yeah. Like, 100%, 100%. And part of the defence was um, 
in uh, for for Jack White. Uh, there is no. Council, they said, well, they they said, they said that um, they were trying to use that and say, oh well, Tyson Gamble hasn't come along and um, you know this and that. And they part of their argument was that the intention from the Knights and Tyson Gamble was the fact that they were behind at the time. The best player. This is these are the words they use. They said the best player for Canberra. Um, was Jack White and, and and they they were they were arguing obviously that part of the reason that they were uh, making the allegations so on and so forth was to try and get an advantage to a Simbin send off so on and so well, forth. But I, I mean, it, it's it's just part and parcel of the game. If you think you get bitten, yeah, he didn't referee. bite himself. Stupid. He, he nah. didn't do a blow with Benny Elias and bite himself. Yeah, that was Benny. Yeah, yeah, it was stupid. I well, he's Mario got set for that uh, one. I think. Yes, he did. <laughs> his career at South will start in round four. Um, or will I think the NRL will be livid because it takes some of the gloss off their advertising campaign for America. Um, but stupidity, nonetheless. I, yeah, I don't know. What do you say? Would have, wouldn't be the first person involved in a biting incident with someone named Tyson in Las Vegas. I, I tell you what, though, <laughs> it's getting to the point where um, South Sydney. And I was pretty vocal last week, so I'm not going to talk about them anymore because they're not no. in it. They don't deserve to be spoken about. Um, they're going to have to come up with, I think, you know, like they're going to have to show some steel more than they've shown this year to 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 sort of say that's what it is, move on, round four. Because at this point in time, what we're seeing this year is that the team might capitulate over this, which is uh, something very interesting. But yeah, three weeks is pretty soft. I think. Um, I think when you look at what the average, when you look at what the average three weeks gets you on field, if you hit someone high, um, Rhea Hargrave's got four for that high yeah. shot the other day. Yeah, I, I, I don't I, know. I don't know if the stupidity of it. Um. I don't know if the stupidity of it sort of warrants more. That's that's my only thing. I think a lot of things in rugby league you can't prove intention. You can't prove intent. Um, when you bite someone, you can prove intent. There's no accident there. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. I think it is what it is. He's lucky. Probably should have got more. Um, like I said, with with tackles. With a lot of tackles, you can. With a lot of tackles, you can prove what's intentional and what's not intentional. It's a bad look for the game. I, I actually think the judiciary over the off season needs to have a good hard look at itself and just start looking at what is not a good look for the game. I don't care if you're joking. I don't care if it was in the heat of the moment. I don't care if you know the guy. There's a few things this year that have happened that have not looked good for the game, and I think that's what needs to start being at the judiciary's forefront. Like. If you did the action, I don't care if you're his best mate. I don't care if it was this part of the game. I don't care if you're trying to milk something. If it's not a good look for the game, then you take everything on the field as face value and you give it what it deserves. And I think the judiciary need to start looking at certain actions that happen on the field, high tackles, shots, whatever, and start being far more consistent because... I'd hate to think that future biting charges get you three weeks. I, they're, they're, this is where I think there's this... 
I'm trying to pinpoint the, the point in time where there was this shift because <clears throat> we've now gotten to a point where a biting charge isn't one of those, ooh, this is a big one kind of situation. Like, yeah, once upon a time, this this was the type of thing where you'd be rubbed out for big, yeah. big times. And I, I think this, this is an interesting one too because the Proctor one from a few years ago was Sean Johnston. There was a lot of support from, from Johnston to say that he had his arm in Proctor's mouth and he was applying pressure. And he actually went to the judiciary and said, like, a lot of it, that was my part. I was pushing my, my arm into his mouth and that meant that it was it was harder for him to, 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 to do anything other than, you know, there'd be pressure from his teeth on, from my, you know, from his teeth on my arm and so on and so forth. And that... Yeah, and, 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 and we, they, they resulted in that with all that evidence and all that going, okay, we'll take all that into account. We'll land at four weeks. And somehow over the past couple of years, we've just accepted with the talk going into this hearing that four weeks is what a bite is worth. Um, Jack White mm. was sent straight to the judiciary. He sent straight to the judiciary and walk away with three. I'd be like, sweet, awesome, cool. Oh, he's and very so that's where he gets sent... These are usually lengthy suspensions. I mean, this is where some of those big no-nos of the past, like um, eye gouging, biting, and all that sort of stuff. If it's a three-week suspension, I mean, gee, there, there are people who get crusher tackles wrong and get that. This is yeah, light. Think, They're very yeah. lucky. And I'll be honest with you too. The other thing to wade out of this, and the the room is swirling, which will cause a massive shitstorm, is talk today and they can't do it surely they can't and i know that mal meninga wrote um a character reference for jack whiten for tonight um the biggest farce will be if jack whiten says oh i've been thinking about playing rep football and i wanted to play for australia and mal meninga come out and say yeah i was going to pick him for the three test matches in the off season and then he's available for south if that happens that will be the Biggest load oh, the of the whole thing, farcical grey. Like it'll it be a farce. They you know can't do that. You know I'm worried be? that'll be the next. Step. This is what it should be. NRL matches. Yeah, play for Australia. Play your three games. Who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, you're missing NRL matches, and I think that's yeah. what the problem is. Is that? Is that? And one of them's against Newcastle next year. Is that you've got to start doing the the judiciary just needs to, and we've we've said we've come up with a million iterations of of ideas and you know uh you know that you you miss a game against the if it's within the season you miss the game with the next time you play blah 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 i think i think the first thing the first step the baby step for the nrl is to dictate what type of games they miss if they had said today jack whiten is rubbed out for six weeks this includes the three games yeah. He was eligible to he play for Australia. Eligible for Australia. Then you go, all right, suspended. Round, round four. It's the same with the. It's the same with Origin. A part of me says this: if you're suspended, I would love to. Actually, this is a better idea. If you are suspended, you become ineligible for any game that will be played during that suspension. So right now, in my opinion, Jack White is suspended from rugby league till round four. Yeah. Call it as it is. Yeah. 
Do you know, you know what the thing is? Back in the day, and Gallup stuffed this up for the rugby league. The rugby league was going down a going down a path <clears> where you don't. We're not telling you how many weeks you're suspended for. What we're going to do is we're going to tell you the round you can return. Yeah, that was. And if you look, if you sort of go back, more or less, that was what. If you if you read judicial notes, it never really had you suspended for five weeks. You're eligible to return in round twelve. The assumption was just made. They did the math. What David Gallup said was, "Oh no, that's unfair because there's you know there's matches. You know, the, the, the idiot, you know the the lawyer in the room acted like an idiot, and that's when he got rid of precedents. He got rid of a whole heap of things which actually were dumb, and we haven't recovered. A well, key thing to fix all this is just to say, Jack, you are not eligible to play rugby league in any way, shape, or form until round four. This includes the Australian tour. This includes NRL matches. Done. And it's the same with, with, with State of Origin. If you say if you say you are ineligible till round 12 and there's two two origin matches in there, well, so be it. You, as far as I'm concerned, you're suspended from origin duties because you're ineligible to play. The interesting thing when we're looking at what a bite's worth, Griffo, is... Um... I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about Broncos winger um, Ashley Bonner, wow. and she got two weeks for a for a bite. And at the time, the 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 way we tried to wrap our head around it being a two week suspension, we felt that oh they had to have taken into account the fact that it's only a nine game season and she's missing yep. over twenty percent of the matches. Yeah, I'm starting to question that now. I'm starting to think that the NRL is telling us that a bite's worth two to four games. Yeah, look, Jack Jack Whiten's got a bit of a record. We know he's been suspended before. Yeah, look, bottom line, they got it right with Werner, including the referee who sent her off. Yeah, they got it wrong with Jack <clears throat> White. He should have been sent from the field. Now, Ashley Klein dithered around, said, "Oh, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really see what happened." Well, everyone, everyone at Marathon Stadium, or whatever it's called these days, yeah, saw it. They saw it when Jack Whiten was put on report. No penalty. No sin bin, no send-off. The crowd went nuts, and rightly so, because they knew that it was an injustice. Everyone saw the bite marks. Not only did we see the bite marks, we saw his, his bloody saliva still in the bite mark. The slobber, as, now, uh, yeah. <laughs> as Tyson put like, it. What more it's not evidence... Slobber. What more evidence? And you could see on the on the video, Jack White and chomping down on the arm. What more do you need to see to send a guy off? They, there was uh, like I, I, I was making. They were, uh, yep, they were worried about it. I was watching it. Channel Nine. Worried about and it impacting the. Yeah. He's you know like Jack White and he's got a lot of mates in you know in in high places like mm. Freddie yeah. Fittler. He, he, you know, he said, oh, yeah, they've, they've got it right. And, and, and the other guys on nine, they got it right. You know, 
uh, put it on report. After the game, I, I switched over to Fox, and, and those guys, uh, Mick Ennis and, and someone else, it might have been Corey Parker, were staggered. This was after the game that Jack White and stayed on the field. And and they got it right. They're in touch with with 30,000 people at uh, McDonald Jones with, you know, half a million or however many were watching it at home. See the evidence on the screen of a bite, yet nothing, literally nothing happened. They didn't even give a penalty for it. If and some of the shit that back penalties back. get given for, I, yeah. I, I, look, Ashley Klein's been the number one ref for a few years now. I, and I think sort of Annesley might have backed him. I'm not exactly sure, but I said it earlier in the, in the podcast, Shane, before you're on. There's one referee I know that would have sent him off. And that's Grant Atkins. He would have taken action. Yeah, I think he would have. Like, Whoever the referee was for that uh, Ashley Werner game, whoever they were, they would have sent him off. Mm. Why didn't Ashley Klein send him off? You know what? I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how it got to the point where really nothing got done at the very and there's three games that the Graham makes a buddy valid point. He goes, I was going to throw my hand up or. I had a phone call with Mal two weeks ago about being selected. Mal goes, "Yep, it's ridiculous. It's it's it's, uh, it's not what I was saying to you. It's 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 not are great. trials still counted as as, as no. games. No, the trials Thank are God. not. Now He's you know how Jack White has play the trials. This is the funniest thing. He can actually play in the trials. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, that happened with. He can the play trial, in the trials. It? He can play in the trials. Now, when he said he's retired from rep football, here's another curveball, that the, all this shit's going to come out in the next... That they'll, and, 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 you know, <clears throat> this will be the, the the South Sydney medical retirement equivalent of, um, you know, games being counted for, for uh, suspension. When you say retired from representative football, would we consider the Indigenous All-Stars as a representative yeah, it's game? A, it, it is would. considered representative football, yeah. Now... When he says he's retired from that, is he is he gonna is he gonna say I meant state of origin and because like, that's another game? This or that, like, well, mate, he's, he said it. he's retired from rep- football. Now, what I heard was that Malmeninga was not going to take any action until after the judiciary. So that was taken that you know out of you know potential three games that was taken out of play. Um, as far as him, you know, I mean, it, it just it would have been a laughing stock if he had have come out and out of retirement. There's the three game suspension. He plays in Las Vegas next year. Yeah, it's a up. That, that would a, have been ridiculous. Yeah, it won't happen because people Mal actually think. came out and said he would wait yeah. till after the judiciary hearing. People are going to think this is an odd thing to say as a South Sydney fan, and I'm, I'm excited about Jack White and coming to South Sydney, but given the fact of how he's conducted himself, all this sort of stuff, this is the last thing South Sydney needs. And and the other thing I wanted to point out is my whole point around this, he should have got more, and I'm actually a bit... I'm, I'm People are going to say, aren't you happy that he's coming back earlier for South No, I'm not. I'm pissed off that he didn't get more. 
because I don't want... I don't think this punishment's going to be enough of a deterrent for him not to do stupid shit for my club. And we don't want that. We've got to, we've got to, we've had enough stupid shit go on. We need to be moving away from it and not to steal your stick here, Shane, and go on a bit of a rant. But I think you guys, before I wind up, you, you know what I'm talking about here. And I think just to put a bow on it, um, I think we'll all agree. Biting's ordinary. He got off light. He's a very lucky man. I don't know if, uh, oh, he's lucky. I saw the most, and heard the most ridiculous comment from a journalist on NRL 360 before we had the podcast and I switched it off after it. But there was a guy on there who seems to be in the media because he's got a brother who pulls strings in the media and he's a close friend of Ricky Stewart. And I I personally can't cop the guy. Um, You know what he said? He said that Tyson Gamble should have been cited for a grapple tackle. (laughs) I've heard that tongue in. I've heard that tongue in cheek. You know, people in South fans having a laugh saying saying that you know he should have been suspended for for trying to for trying to you know. This uh, is what this this knob said. That's like punching someone after a crusher saying, "I couldn't breathe." Like. I I had to turn off after that. I I can't cop this guy at the best of times, but I don't know if he just says stupid shit just to try and get Mm. clickbait. But I I think I can only put it down to that. I don't know how that guy has a job other than his brother is like the head of Fox or something or other. Um, And his his other brother sits in the uh, coaching box at Canberra with Ricky Stewart. So... I, I can't take this guy seriously in anything he says when it concerns anything to do with Ricky or the Raiders. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I did switch off after that. Yeah, yeah, fair call. Um, look, let's get back to the footy. I think we've, we've we've made it clear there. A lot of it's going to come out in the next couple of days. Um, look, to, to be honest with you, I hope we, this is the last we hear of it because, um, you know, really, player did something stupid, got suspended. Um, there's plenty of footy, plenty of teams still on the park. Um, we talked about the Broncos, their dominance over the Storm, and we we briefly talked about the Panthers because... Yeah. I was listening to it on the radio, we are driving up to Coffs, and, you know, it sort of back, brought back, you know, having grown up with listening to footy on the radio, you can almost visualise what was happening, and, and in my mind, I just couldn't see the Storm scoring. Yeah, no, just, it, it, it's it's there's 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 definitely, as we we said briefly before, there's there's definitely an issue there with the storm. Um, you know, their their completions was low. Um, yeah, like, like we said, Cam Munster summed it up pretty well and said they played like dog shit. The Broncos didn't allow them to play. Broncos were so good across the park in many areas. We talked about um, Carrigan and Haas, and they go forward the. The brilliance of Adam Reynolds. Um, Just listening to it, it sounded like he had a ten out of ten game. Adam Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 just to fill you in too from the Griffo grab segment, um, Nathan Cleary did get the grab this week, but there were a lot of contenders there. Uh, performances from Adam Reynolds, Reese Walsh, so on and so forth. Um, 
honourable mentions there, and you could have, you, you you could be accused of splitting hairs, um, with that award. We we talked very briefly about the Panthers, and Nathan Cleary, his running game. How Jerome Luai not being there has really opened up his running game. They defeated the Warriors the other day. Um, I, I think for this one, part of the challenge was the Warriors went in as underdogs. Then they lost Sean Johnson. It's a massive loss for them. He does so much for them. We talked a little bit earlier before you came on, Shano, about Penrith and Brisbane being the team to teams to beat, and a lot of us are assuming that they'll end up in the grand final. Um Penrith, again, really, really strong performance in this one. We might focus a little bit on Penrith because we're not going to talk about the Warriors in our... We'll talk about the Warriors, I should say, in our preview this week, but not the Panthers. Um, yeah, they, they, they just continue to roll on. Even with players out, they do a job. Other players come on board, like Nathan Cleary, they run a bit more. Just interested to see, because we've talked briefly about it already, what your thoughts were of the Panthers on the weekend, if you saw much of uh, of that game over the Warriors. Yeah, I the Panthers were brilliant. Like that, that, the, the problem with the Warriors is the Warriors spend so much of their attack. If you watch the Warriors, and especially when they're successful over the last few weeks, they, they spread in the middle. Like Sean Johnson really is what a lot of teams um what isaiah yo um cameron murray um that that sort of that lock roll that sort of takes the ball and pass it what that's that's johnson johnson actually does that and hits the line and digs in when they don't have that they're then relying on this sort of three through the forwards one in the back line kick three through and and it's just be, it's just predictable football that the teams like Penrith to pick off every day of the week we saw it when the Warriors played South. When the when that middle running game was nullified due to the wet weather, um, the Ford Pack was able to get on top of the Warriors. And and I think in recent times when the Warriors have been beaten, they just haven't been out either. Sean Johnson hasn't played, or there's been it's been wet, slippery, dewy. He's not been able to get that roll on. Um, Penrith just pick you apart, like you know. I think. I think for me, probably the pinnacle try was um, you know, Cleary lost his boot. Yeah, that was the grab. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather than put your boot on, he could see the gap open up. Like, he has head. I, can, like, I can do this with one shot. Yeah, the guy can read the rugby league field so much better. I, I don't, I don't think that. Yeah, I, I look. The Warriors. If Sean Johnson, look, Sean Johnson doesn't play. Um, you know, I think the Warriors just need him to centralise that attack. That's the problem. Um, it's it's a di- it's a difficult thing for the Warriors because I think the Warriors at home. A lot of people talk about the Warriors at home being a different beast. I actually think they've played some of their best football away from home. And if you look at the Newcastle Knights, and I know we're not doing the preview yet, but the Newcastle Knights have actually played a lot of their best football away from home too. So. So that, that that's an interesting sort of set of affairs. Penrith were just dominant. They were going to win. They knew they were going to win. Five minutes in, they knew exactly what they needed to do. They just kept doing it. They just kept chipping, chipping, chipping. And, you know, the result, the result was always going to be 
you know, the result was always going to be, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 40 points win. And 32 to 6, I think, was where it was at. Um, it was dominant. It was defensive. It nullified a lot of things. I think it also just allowed them to play. I don't think they got out of first gear, Penrith. Like, they just really just... They just did what they do. It, it was it was just a walk in the park. I I think that um I think I think it's gonna be interesting to see how they play the following week, you know. Um but for me, I think when we go to the preview with the Warriors, if Sean Johnson plays, it'll be that central role that 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 really that really allows his his outside backs to get early ball and create that space. And that just wasn't happening there on the weekend. Yeah. Um, and it was it was dominant. Too. I mean, it was nine line breaks to one. The the Panthers just... I mean, you, that that first try, I think it was only about four minutes in when Toto went over. Um, they, they just... You know, they... They just dominated. They took their chances. There was flashes of brilliance when it needed to be. And they just, they just kicked on. From from a fan's point of view, just get an overall um, view of the performance, Griffo. How how do you feel the Panthers like? Where are they at um, based off that performance? Can you take a lot out of it? Given the Warriors were were a bit down and off the game, um, but just just the the highlights for you coming out of Penrith, in addition to what you've already mentioned in the grab. Um, look, it was one of those games where I sat there and I wasn't stressed at any stage and that's yeah. how i like it <laughs> yeah yeah you, you, you weren't in any doubt that the job was going to get done no no you know they scored early as you said um they really weren't threatened too often i think the warriors had a disallowed try um after uh penrith's i think it was total scored first um there was yeah the warriors i didn't see that there was a guy a penrith guy knocked down in the lead up, yeah. my mate next to me did. Um, yeah, the, the refs. The I thought King G was, uh, he, he was, he a, was uh, very good. The ref, I think, I think um, most of the time they get given that Pompey one. That's an that was that was a that was an obstruction every day of the week, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I I missed it in in live play. I just saw, so I thought, gee, that looked uh, too easy, but um, yeah, <laughs> there was a reason for that. Um, yeah. but yeah, the, apart from that, the Warriors didn't threaten. Until you know they they did score a very good try in the second half, but the game was over pretty much at that stage. Um, yeah, I was impressed with Penrith's defence. Uh, again, I mean, they they played a typical Penrith game. They basically strangled the Warriors. Um, the Warriors didn't have a whole lot in attack, and and uh, for their sake, they really do need. Sean Johnson calling the shots. Um, it wasn't just Johnson uh, that was out. Metcalf had been really good for them. I know he's been out for a couple of weeks, but they were essentially missing their best six and seven. Um, and uh, they were never in the hunt, really. Um, I think they, you know, I won't say they were resigned to to defeat, but they knew that they had a second chance uh, in front of their yeah. home crowd. So 
Um, they'll learn a little bit about finals football. They probably had a lot of players that hadn't played in a finals game before. So um, a bit of experience there for them. And, uh, you know, with, with Johnson back, obviously no Metcalf, but uh, uh, Johnson is their leader in, in pretty much every way. And um, he'll give them a lot of confidence. They'll have 25,000 uh, supporters urging them on. In a, in a similar manner to what Newcastle had at home last week, with a you know, the crowd had a big big influence on on the Knights. Um, they really fired up after White and was not sent off, and that was the turning point in that game. I think uh, the turnaround in the crowd, which then fired up the the team, and then they put on three tries in ten minutes. The Warriors will be looking for a similar sort of. Um, boost from from their home fans who will go absolutely nuts when they run onto that field uh in a home semi this weekend yeah and and you make a good point there because you know a lot of the rumblings were that if it was sudden death sean johnson may have played you know that could have factored in um to their decision around that the panthers though um they're kicking along the man who I feel like we need a segment, we need to get Mick to sort us out with a um, musical intro for every week, our segment where we talk about Isaac Tungo's injury. Um, this time we're hearing it's a peck injury. Peck. Yeah, That's what you're hearing. I don't know if you're hearing much, you know, obviously you follow a bit. With I hear clubs. nothing, Graham, because the it, club it, says yeah. nothing about him. It's, it's very interesting, isn't it? So this one here, I'm... I'm going to say it now. Now, I talked earlier about Brisbane's centre pairing and the the players that have filled in for Penrith have done a phenomenal job. I'm not knocking on them. But I actually think he's going to be a really important piece in the Panthers' premiership puzzle. I think if he is missing, say hypothetically, it's a big hypothetical, say he doesn't play the grand final qualifier and if they win the grand final, I think that whilst the players coming in have done a job, if they do, and I know I'm going with lots of ifs and buts here, I, I worry if they were to come up against that centre pairing of, um, you know, of, of Brisbane with someone who, uh, you know, without an Isaac Tungo, for example. Uh, I don't know if that's a concern that you share, but that's something... No, absolutely. For, for like, mine, like, especially defensively, I'd worry about. I, I got in the car last uh, week to go to the game, and I was only in the car for a couple of minutes. I was listening to the ABC, and... Yeah. Um, they put out the uh, the the teams um, and said that uh, you know surprise change in the Panthers. Uh, Luke Garner is coming into the start inside. Um, he was sort of eighteenth man, and they were all saying we don't understand this. You know, Peachy's been uh, you know rejuvenated. Blah blah blah. <laughs> You would have they almost don't watch Penrith very. You close. almost would have. <laughs> you almost, so you've almost crossed onto the wrong side of Mulgoa Road when you heard that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was a long way before Mulgoa Road. I was just, <laughs> just about to turn onto the the M4, but oh, um, uh, it was it was the best thing I'd heard all day, um, oh. and then, you know Peachy was back to the bench, and uh, and the, the dog, uh, the gutted one. Um, was was eighteen? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yes, 
um, the the sort of uh, the one that Ricky Stewart rejected. Um, <laughs> now, Luke Garner came in. And I thought he did a really good job. Um, yeah, my yeah. concern, my concern with without ta- Tango is obviously you lose something in attack because he's he's a phenomenal player, but more importantly. Most of the guys, or not most of the guys, one guy who spent most of the time replacing him is defensively inept um, and almost refuses to pass the ball to his unmarked winger uh, as well. So I was uh, I was quite happy, unlike the guys on the ABC who um, yeah. couldn't understand what Ivan was doing. Every Penrith supporter that I know Rejoiced when uh, when Luke Garner was was named as yeah. the starting centre, and and I thought he was really good. Garner, he he's played centre before with the Tigers. Um, is he better than Tango? No way. But is he the best option they've got at the moment? Yeah, he is. Was it, he he did a he did a good job, and I, I think you'd have more confidence in say him being able to manage if, if caught one-on-one with the likes of, you know, because realistically down the line, you know, it could be a player like a, you know, Katoni Staggs, so yeah. on and so forth. So, you know, something something to keep in mind down the track. Penrith flying. The Warriors will get another crack this week. Um, we talked about the Sharks before because we, we, we know they won't be playing football this week. Um, but the Roosters, 13-12 winners over the Sharks. Let's talk a little bit about uh, our thoughts on the Roosters just in this in the context of this game before we talk about them coming up against the Storm this week. Uh, this is a team, guys, that only a matter of weeks ago, uh, people were willing to put a line through and say, oh, they can't make the finals. Uh, we're now week two of the finals. Roosters are still alive, down to six teams. They're one of them. Uh, thoughts on the weekend, uh, fellas, on the Roosters. Um, tight game. The Roosters, the Roosters yeah. did everything to give the win to Cronulla. Barhand them next week on a platter. The Roosters did everything, and Cronulla just couldn't capitalise. It was... It was one of them real frustrating games and, and, and I was watching it with some people and you know, like when 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 they kicked the when Walker kicked the field goal, that was it. It was like we're in front now, that's all we need. It was like no matter how early it was and I know Nico Hines had a couple of bites the chariot at getting them uh, the second one had he looked up, there was a gap the size of the Sydney heads. Um, in front of him, but it was, I've never seen a football club be given so many chances and so much field position, so much opportunity and do absolutely nothing with it. It's, this is what Cronulla is. Um, people questioned whether they should have been, whether they were a finals team, that regardless, they finished where they were. They. They got the points and they deserve to be there. Definitely, when you look at what the way the the, the, the Roosters played, even even in the press conference, I think I think Trent Robinson was trying not to say, I've no idea why how we got here. 
watching that game, I have no idea how we actually won it. So it is what it is. I think that the the, the, the Roosters fight to live, they'll live to fight another day, and the the well for the for the for the Sharks. That's if you take into account last year, three straight finals games done. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk we about five. Before, I think Griffo had the start. Six in a row. Six, six in, in a row now. Six. I was the same. Last six finals the game, they've lost. And and I know the Roosters. They're they're looking to you know obviously uh, label this game. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and coin it here. We had Sinbin Sunday last year in the first week of the finals. Um, the Roosters a bit more memorable this year. Uh, winning the construction site Saturday game um, over the Sharks. But just, just quickly, you know, I'm, I'm taking the piss a little bit here. The Roosters, um, they're still in with the fight. There was, a, there was a part in the game, though, where I thought, oh, here we go. And um, it would have been just before... I mean, it was the James Tedesco Simbin. That's what I'm talking about. The Simbin James Tedesco Sharks score... At that point, I'm thinking, Griffo, Jesus, the Sharks are Sharks are good here. I th- I think they could could go on with this. Does does this win for the Roosters though say a bit more about the Sharks than it does the Roosters? Like the fact that, as Shane said, they they were given opportunities they couldn't ice it. Uh, look, I um, I, I was uh, down at the rocks Saturday night, and I'm, I'm sort of glancing at the screen. So I, I couldn't didn't get a real feel for the game. I was looking at the score, and, and it was obviously close. Uh, and I, I did watch the mini, but I guess, again, you don't get the feel for the game. But what I've got to say is the Roosters, <clears throat> they hung in there. Um, they had some adversity. Like, as you say, uh, Teddy was binned for 10. They lost Manu, um, Suali'i. Uh, I believe they lost him during the game as well. And they had second rowers playing in the centers, but they got the job done. Um, when the game was on the line, they charged down, I think, was it was it two field goals? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that that tells you something about the team and that, and that they do never give up. Yeah, a bit of resilience um, there. So I've got Maya that like they they were playing you know under some adversity with with you know during the game losing players Billy Smith that played with a broken jaw um, yeah. he's out now as well so they they did it reasonably tough um, they were playing at the other team's home ground um, yeah I've I've got to say. You know, congratulations to the Roosters um, to be able to be still alive. I mean, going back six or so weeks, there were only two groups of humans who thought the Roosters were going to make the eight. One of them was <laughs> the Roosters' coaching staff, and the other one were mathematicians. Mm. And um, no one else did. No. But, uh, but they're still going. They're still alive. You know, Steve Bradbury, who had ever thought he was going to win a gold medal? <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do a Bradbury, but it'd be something similar for them to to uh, to take the trophy this year. Now, before I forget, um, 
not really related to rugby league exactly. But this morning when I was on my walk, I was listening to uh, to uh, Brandy and Vossi and it was reported that uh, that um, Ole mate, uh, the, the Spanish kisser, Louis Rubilares, where, mm. you know, I, my apologies if I've got his name wrong, um, but he was uh, famous, of course, for for planting the kiss on uh, one of the the uh, young ladies who just won the World Cup. He was excited. Um, he stepped down from his position um, because he, uh, you know, loves his country and he loves football. So he's out of a job, and it made me think that with um, with Clive Churchill's son sort of on the outer. Um, that maybe we could get Louis to come and uh, present uh, yeah. the the, well, uh, the Clive Churchill Medal. Or... I think you got a point there because I, I I love the days of when Joyce would give the medal and yeah. she'd give the players you know be the medal over the head and then a, yeah, kiss, a kiss from Joyce and then no, nothing said. I think you're onto something here. So you know I I think uh, you know Louis's got a lo- lot of love to give. Um, maybe but uh, and, but and later you know on in the be... day, I heard that that job is already taken. Oh. Uh, and they're calling upon uh, former Clive Churchill medal winners. So this year, Sterlow was going to present the medal. So, yeah, I, it was it was strange because I just thought, when I heard Louis was out of a job, I thought, you know, uh, Rod Churchill or whoever the son is, um, sort of on the outer, South players uh, said that if he's there, they're not going to accept the medal or whatever. Of course, they're not there to accept it, but... <laughs> Um, that was a, yeah. a, a but Sterlow's going to present the Clive Churchill Medal this year, and and in the future it will be a another past uh, medal winner. So I think that's a good tradition. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just thought maybe Louis could, uh, you know, he could get a job. He knows uh, he knows a core stadium. That's where it happened. That that's what I was going to say. <laughs> he could celebrate by standing on the exact. Same spot on a core yeah. stadium at Homebush there for the Churchill Medal. Um, yeah. I'll plan to unpack here. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go and, with and, the... and also the NRLW. They play on the same day. So Millie Boyle could stand up and receive the trophy uh, given to her by, by uh, Louis. Well, I, don't I, know if I would love... I would love... Like now, this is where I think we're going here. Now, are we saying that we are possibly going to see let's go hypothetically let's go the favorite for the churchill medal which i'd imagine would be uh nathan cleary probably are we saying that there could be a possibility that sterlo could plan to big kiss on nathan cleary and give him the medal if paris I'll, I'll put it this way if uh, it's big if again if he was to give out the medal the year that para broke the drought and someone like a Mitch Moses or a Clint Gutherson, I wouldn't put a pastillo to plant a big, big kiss on them. And do you know what? Call me what you want. I, I think it would be appropriate. <laughs> Obviously, very Graham, different situation. It's a piss take here, guys. You Graham, know that. But <laughs> I think uh, I think for Sterlo to present the Churchill Medal to a, to a para player in a Premiership winning team. Uh, Sterlo may have to live as long as Moses and some of his mates from the Old Testament. <laughs> and I think a kiss, I think a kiss would be the would would be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, 
I'll tell you what, interestingly enough, just to start a bit of chatter there, not that we can dome betting, Clive Churchill medal winner, Nathan Cleary is the favourite. Um, Reese Walsh, second favourite. I think Reynolds needs Woods. to be up there Adam as well. Reynolds. Adam Reynolds, $9.50, fourth favourite. Right. Um, mm. What's the uh, shortest price player from any other side other than Panthers or Broncos? Cam Munster. Oh, Munster. Cam Munster. Cam Munster at twenty three bucks. Right. I like Pat well, I'm not at eighteen. None, but I'm, I'm not getting on there. Well, not that I would anyway, but yeah, I don't. No. I don't see Munster winning the Churchill yeah. this year. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just just for your reference, there, Griffo, DWZ's paying three fifty one. Three dollars fifty one. <laughs> yeah, three three hundred. Um, okay. But yeah, so okay, so plenty to unpack there. Um, <laughs> watch this space. What we will we will have, obviously the uh, the Churchill countdown. In all seriousness, we're taking the piss massively here. Um, I don't mind that because I, I I love the I love Joyce Churchill giving out the medal. I thought that was really good and one of the most special moments as a fan of the club that the medal is, you know, the, uh, Clive Churchill's the greatest player to ever play for the Rabbitohs. You know, some will argue the greatest player to ever play rugby league full stop. Um, didn't see him play, so that's a hard thing for me to say. But to have Joyce Churchill give out the medal was something that was very special when, when the Rabbitohs won the premiership. I actually, I'm a big fan of moving forward now um, and whether it come from this negative situation that's happened around um, Rod Churchill, I, I, I'm actually, I, I love that concept of former winners giving out the medal. I think that's great. Yeah. I think that's really good. That's what it's going to be. That's yeah, the way it's going to be. I'm a fan of it. I, I, don't yeah, know. Someone's I think it's gonna, a good tradition. Someone's yeah. going to have a crack and say, Graham, you haven't considered this, but I think it's a great tradition. And it's one that's... Um, that's that's going to continue, and it and it doesn't. Yeah, I, I think it's great, and I think it'll 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 have some really nice moments where players who understand what it's like to be there will be able to. You know, you have these passing of the torch kind of moments. I think it'll be wonderful. Um, I also foresee in the future, not not rigging it a bit, but you know, I I, I foresee if um certain teams are a possibility that they might you know lay yep. the land a little bit um yep. you know like if penrith are favorites to win the comp bradley clyde might be the yep. one to hand out absolutely the medal as, as as a previous panthers winner of that yep. medal um that, yep. yeah, I, I, i'm taking the piss again but i mean i could imagine I'm, i can only talk from my club's point of view if if south sydney were to win a premiership and the best player on field was given the medal by Sam Burgess, that would just be so special. So uh, it would be a similar thing. You know, I mean, in, in 20 years' time, could you imagine, you know, Penrith winning a grand final and Dylan Edwards being able to present that award? Like, there's just so many special moments that could be built yeah. by the NRL. Absolute legend, Sterlo. Love it. Love it. Awesome, um, awesome little bit of news there moving forward. And it's probably an, uh, a really positive outcome out of what was a bit of a shitstorm story last week just very briefly before we go into this week's games we talked about the Raiders and their season um, 
We're going to talk about the Knights versus the Warriors in an in-depth going forward and how we feel as though this game's going to come out. But just looking back to last week, interesting game, settled in Golden Point with a penalty goal. Uh... This Newcastle Knights team now, fellas. I mean, Shane, ten wins in a row. Yep. Um. Just, just going off what they did last week and not predicting where it's going to go next week. I think they've got ten in a row. There's a buy in there. We're we're looking at you know about twelve weeks since this team's lost their last game. loss would have been that Penrith game. But Penrith yeah, played was. nobody. Yeah, that's right. Even well, Christian Walsh is still trying to figure out how that happened. But I, I think Newcastle have done some really good work. We're going to talk about Newcastle in our preview. The new, the, the Raiders, I think, I think at the end of the day, for the Raiders to make the eight, that's an overachievement for them. I don't think many people had them in there. I don't think many people thought uh, during the year that, that they'd be there. They seem to be the club that everyone had dropping out of the eight. That, that, that the Roosters make it, they're the ones that will drop out. You know, the Cowboys make it, they'll drop out. You know, I think everyone was talking about how the Raiders wouldn't make it. And for a large part of that game on the weekend, they, they, they were in control. Um I think that I think that I think that the Raiders probably now are going to enter this development stage where they'll they'll need to look they'll need to look for someone you know they'll, they'll they probably need to look for someone to fill Whiten's shoes. That's you know, that may be easy, that may be hard. Depends who they've got. I think they're. I think that every year we say oh, they're not going to finish in the eight. They do, and and I think this year was the same. I yeah. I got to take my hat off to Ricky. I think this year I I really think he did a lot with little, and when Sebastian Chris got got sent off and, and sort of people said that was it. I think everyone just expected them to lose by 50 every week and they haven't. And I think I think credit where credit's due, he has coached a team who I think in part have overachieved. I, I, I think they've had some shocking losses throughout the year. I, I think they've been belted. But they've had wins where people wouldn't have thought they won. He's got the best out of a crew, a crew of people who probably have played above their skill and above where they should. I, I think hats off to him. I'm always a bit critical of, of, of Canberra. I, I always think that, that they play down, but not this year. I think that at the end of the year, I think they could, they'd walk away from Newcastle bitterly disappointed because I think there was a chunk of that game where they were the better team. And I had to go back and watch it. I was at the group two final on the weekend watching Whoopi win uh the grand final but um yeah watching it back watching sort of the end of it live I, I probably watched the last 60 minutes live and then I want to go back and just watch it in its entirety uh just so I can just so I could get get the lie of the land I think that I think that yeah I think that they'd probably be a bit disappointed they couldn't ice it but I think in the grand scheme of things, they've achieved above what they should have. And I think that's mm. that's that's always a successful season. Everyone wants to win a premiership. Only one team does. And there's certain teams in our competition, Broncos, Penrith, you know, if I suppose they're the ones, if they don't win it, they go, oh, I don't think it was a successful season. 
for a team like Canberra to finish where they did to to do what they did against Newcastle, who is a team in form, I think it's fair to say I think they've overachieved and it should be proud of their efforts. And I think Ricky's coaching has done a lot to get them there. Yeah, no, and and and, and as we said, look, there's a lot of factors there, but there are a lot of teams we thought we would be that would be there that aren't, and the Raiders were there. Um, the Knights got the job done here. They were they were good at home. Um, there's a lot of strike there. They're outside backs. Um, you know, just just even the way. I mean, Caelan Ponga was phenomenal again. Um, Mars Hugh, Dom Young. They've they've got some real talent in the in the outside backs there as well. Um, and we'll we'll talk in depth about the Knights in a moment because I think it'll be uh be fitting for us guys to move on to this week's games and talk about the four teams playing this week. The Knights are one of them. They'll take on the Warriors on Saturday. But prior to that, we've got the Storm playing the Roosters. So we might as well get into it this week for our um, finals week two preview. All right, there's the whistle and the kickoff for our finals week two preview. There is so much team news in this Storm Roosters game. Um, this will be Friday, 7.50 down in Melbourne. So the big news for, for the Storm, obviously we saw that injury with Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, so unfortunate for him. We wish him all the best. Um, he's just had horrible luck with, with injury over the past two years, really. Um, you know, last year, this year, and, and going forward, this is going to be a big recovery. He had um, surgery on the weekend for his broken leg. So we wish Pappenhausen all the best. Another big player out for the Storm is Xavier Coates. Um, he's got an ankle injury. So Ramus Smith comes in on the wing. Uh, Olam's been recalled in the centres. He's replacing young Tonema Pia. Uh, he suffered a head injury against the Broncos. Um, and with Pappenhausen out, Alec McDonald um, comes onto the bench. Grant Anderson is the 18th man for the Storm this week. Um Roosters injury concerns of their own. How's this, fellas? Uh, we we talked very briefly about Billy Smith being injured before with his jaw injury. Joey Manu, Joe Swaili, all out. So three big players: Manu, Smith, Swaili, all out. Um, Momorowski and Corey Allen are playing in the centres. Jackson Paulo onto the wing. Um, so we've got a few players here that uh, haven't played footy for a while for the Roosters here. I think Paulo hasn't played since round 12, Momorowski since round 9. So uh, some some injury concerns for both teams. But, but Griffo, going back to Melbourne, we know that the Storm, they will be looking for a big bounce back factor. They will be seething, and I couldn't imagine... Uh, Craig Bellamy going back to Melbourne and saying, it's all right, fellas, we'll just try our best again next week. I think it'll be a bit more intense than that. <laughs> well, uh, we don't normally see the Storm put back, back-to-back shockers. Um, I think uh, it's not all that long ago since they got beaten quite convincingly by the Panthers at, um, at Penrith. And then after that, I think they came out and had a couple of big wins. So um, they've shown the, you know, they can turn things around pretty quickly. Um, yes, they're missing uh, some talent, but they've still got a lot of talent there. 
Um, essentially, they've played without Ryan Pappenhausen all year, uh, apart from those yeah. last couple of games, and and he was he was just a benchy. He wasn't playing number one, so Meany's uh, Meany's at one. Um, Will Warbrick's been there nearly all year. Uh, Sebe retains his his position in the centres. Um, Justin Olam is back. Um, it's been out of favour with Coach Bellamy, but uh, essentially, young Tony Mapea was given a bit of a bath last week by his opposing uh, centre. Uh, Remus Smith comes in for the injured Xavier Coates. Um, so the guys they've brought in, in Olam and Smith, uh, are very experienced and capable first graders. Um, then you got Monster and Hughes. That's almost, you know, if arguably the best six and seven combination in the NRL. And then the forwards, uh, pretty much as they were last week. Um, they've gone with uh, four forwards on the bench, interestingly. Um, Pappenhausen obviously was 14 last week. Mm, yeah, if, if something happens to Harry Grant, they've probably got a bit of a bit of a problem, I think. Um, there's a, maybe a bit of a lack of balance to the bench. Um, Alec McDonald gets his opportunity. The other guys all were part of it last week. Um, Nelson, big man, you don't want him coming down on your leg. Um, you don't really want Nelson coming down on you anywhere, to be fair. Um, I, I think they can turn it around. They are playing at home. The Roosters, I, I was quite complimentary of of what they've achieved in the last five or six weeks. I do think they've done a really good job. The halves are firing, which has been the big problem for them all year. Um, but they have lost, for mine, they've, they've lost the firepower in the back line outside those halves. Yeah, Teddy's there, but um, I'm not really frightened of a, a Pauga, Momorowski, Allen and, and Jackson Paulo uh, three-quarter line. I think that's where Melbourne have an advantage. Um, I am going to tip Melbourne. Um, not overly confident because the Roosters are on a bit of a roll, but I just think the bullets that the Roosters were capable of firing, um, well, I think they're almost firing blanks now. Um, it's good. If the Roosters are going to win, it's really going to have to be the forwards that get the job done and, uh, the good form of Keery and Walker, um, to, to capitalize on that, uh, the good work that uh, guys like Collins have been doing. Um, Shane O's. Yeah, I've got Storm Griffo. Okay. I think, like you say, the the guns, the guns for the Roosters just they're just not there this week. You know, like I felt, I felt that really the Roosters did everything to help this, to help, um, to help the Sharks out. I know the storm were horrible, and I think 
I think in some ways the Storm's attitude in that game was I honestly thought I picked the Storm because I thought they're just going to go for the jugular. They're going to use emotional blackmail. They're going to use everything in their power. They beat them the week before. And I honestly think they thought that the fact that they're called the Melbourne Storm, that the Broncos were going to fail, and they didn't. And I think that Bellamy this week will reiterate to this club that you really have to use your skill to beat players at this time of year. You can't, you can't just turn up and think you're going to win. I've got the Storm winning because the, the guns are out. I think, I think the Storm side, although they're missing some, big, and poor Ryan Pappenhausen. Yeah, she's yeah, mate. It. it yeah. What, what that poor guy and his family must be going through is just horrendous. Um, and you're only wishing the best. Yeah. You know, and hope that, you hope that whatever recovery it is that he gets the, you know, the speedy end of everything. Because it's just, jeez, mate, you know. Luck is not on that young man's side. But I just think that when I look at this side now, with the possible team they could field, I actually think it's actually not a bad one. I think the Storm looking at it, I think they've got some strike power. I know Olin was out of favour. I don't think I don't think the Roosters are going to provide the firepower to actually expose him in any way, shape or form. I think quite the opposite, that maybe this is going to be a very attacking game. Um, yeah, I, I've got... I think the, the class of Munster is going to come through. I, I just think that the Storm... The Storm never played two poor games in a row. The other thing for the Storm is they're in Melbourne. Roosters have to travel. Um, they're a mixed bag when they travel this year. Like It's not as if you can say they're a hopeless travelling side. It's not as if you can say when they travel, they win easily. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I just think this is... The, I think that last week they looked at it and thought, how the hell, are we going, how the hell did we win that game? There's a small part of me that says, that also said, I don't know how we can play any better. We just don't have the troops to put it over the line. And that's why I've gotten the Storm, Gray. Yeah, I'm going the Storm as well. They're at home. Um, whilst there's some injury concerns with Xavier Coates, um, Joey Manu, Billy Smith, Joe Swale, that's a big blow to their back line. Billy Smith's um, probably been one of the... He's been great. Yeah. He's been one of the most centers right. for, 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 for quite a little while now. Yep. And whilst you've got some um, experienced campaigners in Momorowski and Corey Allen coming in, I don't think they provide that um, that dynamic play that Billy Smith's had. I, I, yeah, I, I just feel like... Game. Yeah, I just feel like the Roosters, they've had that inconsistency about them. Um, the other thing we haven't talked about, too, is the fact that there's a there's a forward battle to win before the backs even come into it. They're still without Rhea Hargraves. Um, the Storm are smarting. The last thing you want to do is play the Storm after they've they've had their, their butt smacked. So I think they'll bounce back there at home. Um I think it'll be a good game, but I, I I like the storm in this one. I'm with you guys. I think Melbourne win this one uh, in an entertaining game. 
right, the only other game we've got this week, guys, will see us go to uh, New Zealand. So this will be Saturday. Now, just looking at the times here, just so that people are aware of when all the games are on, we've got Saturday 4.05. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's a Sydney time, which would mean uh, Saturday 6, 6 o'clock game in New Zealand. Um, I'm positive all these games on the NRL website are in... Uh, Sydney time, so 4 o'clock for us here on the east coast of Australia. Team news for this one, guys. Uh, For the Warriors, Sean Johnson has been named to return from his calf injury. Uh, Dylan Walker will go to the bench. Lussick goes to 18th man. You'd imagine if, for whatever reason, if um, Sean Johnson's no good to go, then uh, Walker would go into the halves like he did last week, but um, part of me feels as though Sean Johnson would just about have to have his calf ready to fall off uh, for him not to play this one. For the Knights, um, Hastings and Fitzgibbon are both out. We saw Jackson Hastings got got that awkward knock where he, he almost knocked... It was like he knocked one of his legs into the other there, and it was just the impact there... Um, has has re-injured that ankle. Lachlan Fitzgibbon's got a shoulder issue um, coming out of that game for the Raiders. So Adam Clune comes in at halfback. He did a really good job um, in the last probably three games of the season when Hastings was out. Um, Dylan Lucas joins the forward pack. Adam Elliott, uh, he only got a fine for his careless high tackle from last week's game, so he's good to go. This should be a really interesting game. I, I, I feel like, Griffo, we've got two teams here who have been the perennial underdogs. And it's it's a, it's it says a lot about the competition. And I'm excited to, to think that this time next week we're talking about either the Warriors or the Knights playing for a spot in the grand final. I think this is going to be a really entertaining game. And I think we're going to see some really nice attacking football in this one. Well, I would expect so. Um, I find it a hard game to tip. Um, I did see the Warriors play last week, and I I was a little underwhelmed. But as we said, um, there was no Sean Johnson. Um, but they yeah they struggled in attack. I thought. Um, they were they were tough. They they certainly hit hard. Um, they, yeah, it's a big game for them. If they lose this, then they, they will have gone out in straight sets, and that's something no team likes to do. Uh, the Knights weren't at their best last week, but we we saw when they uh, decided to turn it on, they certainly uh, can turn it on. Um. They would have been disappointed with the uh, with the number of points that they allowed the Raiders to score, uh, particularly when they got twelve in front. And, and you thought, well, it's all over now. Um, but the Raiders, to their credit, did come back. Uh, I think it's a, pretty much a toss of the coin. Um, I don't know that you know. I'm I'm ready to toss the coin just yet. Um, but I, I will I will make a selection. But if Shano, uh, who, who are you backing here? 
mate, I'm going to talk myself into someone in a minute. That's I'm I'm, I'm, I'm letting you go for another ten. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 Griffo. It's a tough one, isn't what? it, guys? Jackson Hastings plays yeah. Newcastle on my team. Yeah. Is how much of it for you guys is I the fact that it was just, really good when but, when he came in for those games? I just are, think that I just waiting for the Knights to lose. I don't know. I just. I, I, you know what? I actually think, because bugger it, I'm, I'm out of the knockout because I chose freaking Storm to begin with. But 60% of me says Newcastle. Right. And I'm probably going to run with Newcastle for the sheer and simple fact that they've turned their rugby league into this sort of showmanship, run off the hip, you know, they've sort of trained themselves to be this team that's happy to get in the grind. I really haven't seen that from the Warriors. The Warriors are this throw-around, throw knockabout rugby league side that, that, that will win by two more than you. I think the occasion got to Newcastle the other day. I think Newcastle actually, for, for probably 50 minutes of that game, actually crapped themselves and went, what are we doing? It's it's like someone who sings in the shower all of a sudden gets thrusted into, you know, and does it quite well. <laughs> in the opera house. <laughs> gets thrust in the opera house to shears off. You're going, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? I think that's what, I think that's what happened with them. And then all of a oh, sudden, gosh. I think they got into a bit of a rhythm. They got into a bit of the grind. <laughs> and before you know it, there was, the, uh, the, there was the, you know, the bite, of course. Then, then they just sort of flashed home and you sort of went, there was a big part of me that said, you know, like, I think they learned so much from last week. I think they'd go back and go, I think they're going to be a better team for it. I'm picking Newcastle because I think that when it comes down to the end of the day, they're going to play this grind them out simple football. And I think I think that what the coach has done phenomenally with this club is that he's, you know, He's, he's already talking about, well, we weren't expected to be in the finals. We're now going to New Zealand. Let New Zealand do what they do. We play our football. Let New Zealand play theirs, and we see who wins. And I think already is that mind game of, well, if you want to throw it around and you want to concede penalties and you want to knock the ball on and you want to, you know, you want to try and run around us, well, it's not going to work. The thing that's making me think that this is not going to happen well, the thing that was making me think that where could Newcastle fall down is Sean Johnson can just pull defensive teams apart. He, know, he knows exactly who to run to. He knows exactly when to open up 5-8. And that's why DWZ has been brilliant on the edge is because all of a sudden when, when Sean Johnson runs at the line, there's space and time. And that kind of space and time just just generates tries this year. And it's 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 been actually beautiful to watch. If if he can do that, if he can do that meticulously, they'll win. I just think that I just think Newcastle are gonna play this type of football, this grinding type of football. But you know, the evolution of them over the last 10, 11 weeks is okay, at first they were scratching wins. At first it was like, you know, let's scratch a win, let's do what we can. Then it was let's let's play to our strengths, let's get Ponger into space. Then all of a sudden their forward pack started to become this defensive unit 
where they didn't have to win games like they did the other day, 28-30. They would only concede 10 points, and, and then their attacking team can do, do what they needed to do. They've evolved into this type of rugby league team where you go, they now have the nucleus of ideas to become a really, really solid rugby league club. If I'm a Newcastle Knights fan, I'm excited about this year, but Jesus, if they can if they can replicate this down the track, they're going to see dividends for years to come. I I just think that's what wins finals. You can have the crowd; the crowd's important. You can have showy players; they're important. You can have game breakers; they're important. But at the end of the day, if they can't crack your defence and you're happy to get into the grind, I've never seen the I've never seen the Warriors get into the grind this year. They just outscore you, which is fine. Great when it works. Horrible when it doesn't. I There's there's probably 55% of me saying Newcastle, so why not? I'll pick them. I'm well, going you convinced me, Shane. You going Newcastle? No. no I'm going to uh, go Newcastle. I'm going Newcastle, sorry. I'm going Warriors. So I'm going Newcastle. I might be the outlier here. I'm, I'm going the Warriors at home. I... And, and I know the Knights have won ten in a row, um, and you know we can we could argue the travel point where the the Knights are going to New Zealand, but you know the, the Warriors have been away from from New Zealand obviously in the past week or so. If Sean Johnson plays, I think the Warriors win. If he doesn't play, then I, I can't tip them. But I've got to go off what's named. I think. I think the Warriors will be buoyed by being back at home. I don't know why, but I just had this sense from the Warriors, and I know it's not a good mindset, where I feel like going into last week's game, their preparation was, oh, it's all good, we've got another week to go. And that gives me a little bit of concern that they might get their, their pants pulled down. But I feel like this is the game they've been building for, the return back home. This is a tough one to pick. This this could go either way. I'm going to go the Warriors. They're at home. I'd love to see Sean Johnson. I think if I look across all of these players in this game, there are two players that stand out for me that can take this game by the scruff of its neck and create something to to give their team an advantage. That's Sean Johnson and Caelan Ponga. I just feel when push comes to shove, the experience, the class the composure of a Sean Johnson is invaluable. And I think the Warriors forward pack at home are going to lay that foundation. This is, if this does get in the grind, like you said, Shane, this isn't, it's not the Warriors forte. You're correct there. It's going to be one of those weird games where if it's close, I don't get the feeling like it's going to be a grind. I just feel like there's going to be this flash of brilliance from, from one team or the other, and I think it's just going to come down to whether Sean Johnson gets his hands on the ball and does it, or whether it's Caelan Ponga. Um, yeah. It's going to be a belter of a game. Flip a coin. I'm going Warriors in this one. Um, Can I just say the grind yeah, comes from... Hard. For me, the game, I think that where the Knights became a serious football side was the 26-18 to 18 win against the Storm where it was just where it was just like this they just they just they were, they were they just got this relentless defensive 
mindset where they threw everything at Newcastle and Newcastle just all of a sudden just it just broke their they that Newcastle broke their hearts and then all of a sudden they could get they they got the you know they could capitalize on the fact that that they start they can frustrate teams they can you know like and that was after you know if you remember I think it was I think it was 12 nil to 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 the storm and they just believed in their processes and they just believed in their systems and then before you know it they just started to build this foundation that that that, that created you know that sort of got them that got them to win um yeah can they do that in in yeah can they do that can they do that in uh can they do that in 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 um in in New Zealand? I don't know. That day, Bradman Best was outstanding, and I think he's got to be outstanding again. We talk about the Pongers of the world and whatnot. I think a guy like Bradman Best, this is where it's at for him. Yeah, good point there. So it's going to be an absolute belter, um, as you can hear from the from the analysis and the tips there. You you could just about flip a coin, but. Um, That's the game I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I think that's going to be super entertaining. All right, before we finish up, guys, um, it would be remiss of us not to have a chat about what's been going on in the NRLW. Um, Just just to cut to the chase, the big story of the NRLW, the Newcastle Knights uh, doing away with the, the Roosters last week. We saw an absolute cracker of a performance, particularly from Tamika Upton last week. Um, just, just quickly before we give our thoughts, there's only one game left this year for all these teams. The top four as they stand now, you'd expect to be, um, would be the top four going into the finals. Um, you know, obviously there's a possibility there for, for the Raiders to probably sneak in if the, the Titans or Broncos slip up. But um, really, last week we saw the two best teams in the competition face each other, and, and the Newcastle Knights coming out on top. I'm just wondering if you you were able to get a glimpse of that game there, Griffo, on Saturday between the Knights and the Roosters, and um, and and your thoughts now. I think that would put the Knights as premiership favourites for mine. Yeah, I saw most of the game. Um, yeah, the the Knights um, they they had. Uh, they had the better of it. Uh, the Roosters, some big outs for them last week. Uh, Millie Boyle was out, um, but we'll be back. Um, Jess Sergis, I believe, is out for the season. It's a massive loss for the Roosters. Um, and they, they already had a few forwards who've been outed for the rest of the season as well due to injury. So um, we talked about the Roosters earlier in the years, sort of who was going to beat them. Um, we know the Knights are capable of beating them because they've done it. Um, yeah, I, I think as much as, and probably even more than the Panthers and the, uh, the Broncos shape up as a likely grand final, I think we've got, uh, we've got the same thing in the women's with the Roosters and the Newcastle Knights. I can't see any other team beating 
those uh, young ladies uh, to get into the grand final. And if uh, I think it'll be tighter than it was last week, assuming Millie Boyle will play uh, for the Roosters, the former Knights player last year. She was part of their uh, winning grand final side. If uh, if she does go on and win a comp with the Roosters, that will be her third club that she's played with to win a grand final, which is uh, certainly would be unique uh, in the women's game. Um, and it's pretty unique in the, in, the, in the men's game as well. Glenn Lazarus did it. Um, but uh, we know that Lazarus, anything can happen with a Lazarus. They can come back from the dead. So... Um, Millie Boyle will will create history if she can win it with the Roosters, and they're, they're a big chance. Um, but as you said, Graham, the class of Tamika Upton uh, was on show last week. Yep. Um, likewise, Jesse Southwell. Those two, when they combine, their lethal combination. Um, <clears throat> they've got a very very strong forward pack. The uh, the Newcastle Knights. Um, big, uh, big forwards. Most of them are quite mobile, and you've got Hannah Southwell at lock who just tackles everything. Um, this week they come up against the Tigers. Uh, I didn't see the game, but uh, the Tigers did push oh, the Broncos. Apparently, I was just going to say, guys, uh, the Tigers get my performance of the week. I, I the Tigers were. <laughs> I looked at the Tigers, and you just think if if that if that kind of play and that attention to detail, especially in defence, um, was there for most of this season, they wouldn't be where they are. It was it was just a really good game to watch. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and and look, you know. The, the class of Brisbane just come through at the end. That's why I'll be clean. I'll be keen to see. Um, I'll be keen to see uh, how they play. How they play this week, Brisbane. But you know, Ali Brigginshaw, well, she's she's a, she's a class act, and and the way she was able to to um, to just order the troops, but the cover defence from from the Tigers. Um, and and look, you know, we have a we, we know a young lady who plays for the Tigers in, in Jess Kennedy, and and it's interesting she hasn't played a lot, and the, the middle defence that she actually produced, you know, it was it was actually really good to watch, and I think that I think that the Tigers showed some tenacity on 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 Saturday that maybe their first that their men's team could learn from. I, I thought it was a cracking game. I actually thought it was probably the... Looking at where they were from, when no one gave the Tigers a hope in hell, and and they took it all the way to the wire. They're probably just just, just short short some quality um, attacking plays, but Brett Kamali and, 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 and his, his crew should be just absolutely um, proud of themselves. And, and you know what? This year is going to be over for them fairly quickly. But if they can build on that, then it, I think it shows also that I agree with you guys. I think I think the the knights and roosters are that next level above. Um, it probably says in my, I, I, I don't know what it is, and I don't want to 
no offense to the Titans. I just there's just something about them. They they win. I just don't know what it is. And I was really looking at this game for two reasons. Number one, uh, knowing someone that's playing for a team, or, or having known her in our capacity as teachers, um, you know, you have a bit of a vested interest in, in how they play. Secondly, I wanted to see if 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 the Broncos side could put their hand up as this team that you know, hey, you two are up in front, but we're here and we're we're going to be waiting for you. I don't know if I saw it. I don't know if I saw it out of Brisbane. So I think you guys and your synopsis is 100% correct. Um, it's just going to be very interesting to see how the uh, Tigers bounce back. Um, I don't expect them to beat Newcastle in any way, shape or form. But if they can build on the, pl- on the platform they had last week and, and do what they need to do, that's good. I, the, the Roosters are going to have absolutely no, no problem um, beating the Cowboys. They've been, they they are struggling uh, in every way, shape, or form. Um, you know, I know we often talk about the Eels being tenth. In my mind, I don't see the Eels being last. I I, I see, you know, I, I think I think for me the Cowboys are the ones. So um, yeah, I I think North Queensland will pose no threat to to. No. To the Roosters, but if if the Tigers can can play can play can play the way they did on the weekend, well, you know what, it'll be a good litmus test to see where they're at, and I think it's going to do better for the for the Knights because the Knights are going to have a challenging game to to, to hone their craft because they're going to head into the finals. In my opinion, uh, red hot favourites. I think I think the big game this week is. Um... Is, is the Raiders Titans? While on yeah. the surface, people might not be talking about them because I was just having a look here. The Raiders are on ten points. Titans on twelve. Titans are plus fourteen. Raiders minus nine. Uh, if the Raiders win and can make up, which isn't a huge for and against difference there, the Titans could find themselves in a bit of trouble. They both finish on twelve and possibly. The Raiders are higher for and against. The Broncos, I'd expect to win as well. That game there on Sunday afternoon, which is which is going to be a cracker to, to watch given there's no Sunday football this week. Get get amongst that one. That that could be a shootout for, for a spot in the finals. So yeah. that for me is the game to put... Uh, yeah, to circle, uh, put the circle around. But also to keep in mind as well, with this week being finals and there's a Friday night game and a Saturday uh, afternoon game, it's a great week for women's football because you've got the Thursday night game on Channel 9, standalone, so Thursday night football as it was last week, is um, it's the women's game. You've got Saturday night football um, with uh, both the Roosters, Cowboys games, Dragons, Broncos, the Sunday game with the Eels, Sharks, Raiders, Titans. Then uh, these games this week, we're, we're we're looking at games being unopposed by by NRL games this week. So if you if you're thinking there's only two games of footy this week, you're wrong. There's still plenty and to play you know for what? in the women's game. The, the Raiders can do it. It was only a few weeks ago when they lost to the Knights. It was ten nil half time. Yeah, like it, it was. It was. They were. They were looking like they were. They were looking like the dominant force, and it was only really um, the class of 
the class of um, the Knights to come through. And um, Jesse Southwell that day, three from three and a penalty goal that, that, that really strangled them out of it. I, I think that you know, when they do it, the Raiders do it so well. And they could, they could, if they turn up and they have, they're in a mood, they can they can cover that differential and more. The, I've just tried to crunch the numbers here. A Raiders win by twelve will see them go ahead of the Titans, which is an unrealistic. That, so two try win puts the them in the finals. I really do. Yep. So um, massive Quite game. Cheaters this year, I think too. By the way, I the Raiders have had yeah, some good wins. They beat the Roosters. Yeah, I think yeah, the that was Cheaters of the year. Yeah, and, and I think when we looked at that one too, obviously they've had, I mean, last week's win, they scored a fair few points, which helped. Um, I think the, we were talking about the week before when they lost to the Knights. But there was that, I think what turned us off the Raiders and their consistency was that there was that week they got pumped by the Broncos. And I think mm. that's that's what's done us a bit with the Raiders is that, you know, they're a bit of the hokey pokey team. They're in, they're out. Um, I think if they do end up making the finals... That one point win that uh, I think Shane you were talking about the other week where they beat the Dragons nineteen eighteen that's going to be a yep. massive part of the season for them if they do get there. But um, looking forward to that this week and then obviously the following week um, the finals will start. Uh, the other thing I actually wanted to mention and you know I think people will understand why I want to talk about this. Um, New South Wales Cup. I just want people to keep in mind with that that obviously there's a big game this week with the Bears versus the Warriors. Um, winner of that going to play South Sydney in the grand final. And keeping in mind that grand final is actually on the 24th of September at Combank Stadium. And then we have the, the reserve grade Super Bowl uh, game, traditionally the grand final. So if you're in... Um, if you're a fan of the Warriors, I know you're excited this week about the NRL game, but there's obviously the uh, the New South Wales Cup. But also, too, I think it's worth mentioning, there are a lot of people who are rugby league fans, and the franchise we don't talk a lot about here because we focus mainly on rugby, um, the NRL, are the North Sydney Bears. There are a lot of people that purely follow the North Sydney Bears as former North Sydney Bears uh, fans. Um Keeping in mind, I think these days, is they the they're the um, Roosters reserve grade. I think these days is that right, fellas? Uh, yeah, no, it changes all the right? time. Yeah, I, I think uh, they are. <laughs> so I should have I should have looked that up, but um, no, Roosters are in the they finished last. Aren't they the Sharks? No, I thought they were the Roosters. The Jets. Well, Roosters have a side in the New South Wales <coughs> Cup. Yeah, I think oh, the Bears feed in. The Roosters, are they? I think the Bears feed into them as well. Yeah. So anyway, a bit of trivia for, that, for you there, but if you're an old school Norse fan, um, something to be excited about whilst it's not, you know, it's not Florimo and uh, Larson this week, or fairly. Um, it's it's still North Sydney, so just something to keep in mind there. Bears finished first, I think, after regular season, got done by South last week, so they get a um, they get a crack against the Warriors to make the grand final. So plenty of football going around, plenty of finals. 
plenty of carpool rugby league, and I think that might just about do us, fellas. Um, been a good show, plenty going on. Two big games in the NRL, a few big games in the NRLW, some um, big news out of the judiciary that, uh, tonight, and I hope the talk for the rest of the week in the media is about the football this week because I think there's going to be two cracking games. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's just about us done. What do you reckon, fellas? I, I think it is us done. I, I think um, we've done thanks, listeners. pretty well. Thank um, you. Yeah, really appreciate the support. Uh, looking forward to the finals this week. Obviously, next week we'll be looking at... Isn't it crazy to think this time next week, guys, we'll be talking about who we think will make the grand final. Um, should be a big week this week. Hoping that someone's, you know, hoping that the winners of this week's game stand up uh, because a lot of us are talking about Penrith and Brisbane. But uh, this game could be blown wide open by this time next week. Uh, we look forward to the footy this week. Thank you for your listenership and we um, appreciate your support. Bye. See you later, everyone.